Welcome to this week's energy show. Any solar contractor can spend a lot of money to advertise their services and get customers. But it's tough to find a solar contractor who's in business a long time and really knows how to install and support systems. The companies that have been in business a long time have a good reputation, otherwise they're going to go out of business. And the longest continuously operating solar contractor that I know is Pat Redgate of Amico Solar. Amico installs PV and solar thermal systems in the LA area. And I've had the pleasure of working with Pat at Calcia going back a number of years. And I started asking him solar questions in 2001. He knew all the answers then, and he knows all the answers now. So welcome to the show, Pat. Thank you for having me. All right, good. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how long Amico's been in business? Well, this company started operating as Amico in 1979. But I had been in Saudi Arabia working for an engineering firm. When I came back from Saudi Arabia in 79, I decided to get in the solar business. So I joined a firm called Link and Sun Solar and purchased it, finished the, accomplished the purchase, and completely converted it over to Amico in 1981. Well, technically, Amico has been in, in existence since 79, but we've been in continuous operation as a solar company since 1974. You know, I just kind of looked through the list of all the contractors I know, and you're the standout there. And it was tough sledding in parts of the 70s and the late 80s. But tell us a little bit about what the first wave of solar was in the 70s and early 80s. What propelled that? What happened there? Well, you know what's funny about solar is that the solar wave in the 70s and the 80s was all about thermal, and it was all about generating heat, and mostly for people's homes and businesses. But it was really started by the oil crisis. And oil had very little to do with heat. It had to do with driving cars. But people started becoming aware of the fact that this nation needed to do something different. And we couldn't rely on foreign sources for our energy. And Jimmy Carter was gung-ho on solar. And our own governor, Governor Jerry Brown, was also gung-ho. And the programs that were created stimulated enough business that there were 54,000 people involved in the solar business in the state of California by 1985, which incidentally is the same number of people in the state employed in solar now. Wow, it only took 30 years yeah. to get back there. <laughs> yeah. But what happened to those 50 of those 54,000 people when the tax credit went away? The tax credit went away, all the incentives went away, because I have been feeling that we did our job too well and we eliminated the energy crisis. And it wasn't just the solar business, it was conservation. It was a lot of drilling and a lot of cheaper oil. So we broke the back of the beast and we no longer needed 54,000 people to install solar panels. What kind of caused solar to get reinvigorated in the, two, you know, the 2000 era? Well, I can tell you that we're waiting for solar to return. That's the reason we stayed in business. And we were taking care of a lot of customers. But right around the year 2000, there was the Enron crisis, as I refer to it. But basically, it was due to the deregulation of the utilities. And energy prices started spiking. And then there were blackouts and brownouts. And people overnight became aware that electricity was a problem. And were there any state programs that kind of made it affordable for people in California to get solar? Well, you know there was. There was the ERP, the Emerging Renewables Program from the California Energy Commission. 
And they did have a generous rebate, but it didn't really stimulate much business until the Enron crisis. Yeah, yeah, I, re I remember that. I got started in 2001, and the incentive went up to 450 a watt. Right. And suddenly, if you did the math with a 450 a watt rebate and 26 cents a kilowatt hour electricity, you were down in the seven or eight year payback range. Mm -hmm. and people started going like crazy, and that well, really helped. And the people were really focused on getting off the grid at the point, too. Plus, there was a lot of people my age that had grown up, and they wanted to be green, and they could afford it. Yeah. You know, I think the program that CalSIA put in place in California, looking back, is really one of the best ones that's been out there. The, the rebates gradually declined to the point four years ago where it didn't even make sense to apply for the rebate. The costs had come down, and fortunately or unfortunately, the electric rates got so high that you were back to that seven or eight year payback period with no incentive. Well, this probably was the biggest lesson the solar industry learned, is that when the rebates and the tax credits all ended on the same day, January 1st of 1986, and the industry just disappeared, that if we were going to work with an incentive, it had to be on a declining basis rather than on a disappearing basis. Yeah, yeah, and that worked. And the challenge, you know, kind of turning it back to today, we have the 30% ITC, mm -hmm. and that's going to go away at the end of 2016 unless we do something about it. And the industry is working hard to extend that, but, you know, that's kind of a good encouragement for homeowners to get solar now because if that tax credit goes away as it's expected, the cost of systems is going to go up 30% on January 1st, 2017. But what will happen is there will be a rush. There are a lot of people putting in solar before the tax credit goes away. And the next day you'll hear the sound of wind running through the doors of many solar companies because all the potential customers are gone. If they're going to get rid of the tax credit, I think if they do it on a declining basis, that will actually be healthy, healthy for everybody. Yeah. The commercial credit goes from 30% to 10%. Right. But the residential goes from 30 to 0. To 0. And, you know, right now there's a bill in the legislature that extends the 30% tax credit for five more years, and we're crossing our fingers that that's going to go through. But with Congress the way it is right now, they can't decide what side of the bed to wake up on. Well, it's a good thing. It's, at least it's a good thing it has been introduced. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the systems that you install at Amico, is it residential, is it commercial, is it PV, is it thermal? Tell us a little bit about that mix. Well, I personally like the residential sector, and I'll tell you why. Because people are happy to see their bills go down. In a business, it's all about money and cash. And we do commercial systems, but they're on the local business type maybe the largest commercial system we've done is in the neighborhood of 300 kilowatts, but that was a travail, and it took us away from the work we really love, which is residential. Do you do a lot of thermal systems? Thermal systems, yes, we do. We have a very good solar pool heating business, and we also help a lot of people go solar water heating. We're waiting for natural gas prices to stabilize, because right now they're at the bottom of the trough. And it does seem that the luster has gone off of solar water heating, but it's a very, very mature, very reliable, very dependable commodity. And once you take a good look at it, it's a really good way to go. Yeah. It's just when natural gas starts going up again, it's going to make sense. Yeah. But right now, it's the, the economics aren't Well, great. it still makes sense, but the people's bills are so small, it's not an issue. And there's no urgency. Yeah. What we need are gas lines again. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, we have water lines. We don't have gas yeah, lines. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And incidentally, I, that's one of the problems I had with a tankless boiler. I put a tankless water heater, and then I used more water because I've got to run the faucet longer before I get hot water. Oh, that's interesting. So I had to take that out and put my old-fashioned tank water heater back in. Or you can do what my wife does, which is we put a bucket in the shower, yeah. and then we capture some of the water and use it to flush the toilet, and then sloshes through the house as we try and bring the rest of the garden. So yeah, well, see, not the cleanest operation. You're going to catch some of the water. I want to put a pump in the bathtub when I'm done with it and pump it out into the garden, too. Yeah, there's going to be some products. <laughs> Talk to somebody about that. It's like a capture system for the shower or the tub, and it right. would be pumping it. But you know what? UL's going to get involved, and it's going to cost a quarter million dollars to get that pump listed. Well, the sad thing is, in our county of Los Angeles, I know that right now we can't even use our own gray water for gardening. Wow. Well, they do not want you to use gray water. Be treating water because they're afraid you'll be contaminating the groundwater. Wow, that's crazy. But a lot of people are going to be going that way, and eventually they're going to have to come up with something. Yeah. Let's just hope El Nino gets here and it rains. Yeah. So kind of circling back to solar, what are some of the important criteria that you consider when you're selecting and recommending products for your customers? Okay, so this has been our primary challenge ever since we started looking at products because back in the 80s there were literally about 220 domestic manufacturers of solar panels and a lot of them weren't all that good. So we consider ourselves to be a clearinghouse. We're looking at domestic manufacturers, number one. We're also looking at products that are either made by companies that are invested in the market and have been here for a while, such as large manufacturers as Kyocera or LG, to be there so that when the products do have issues, you're going to be able to have a recourse on your warranty. Rather than a company that's here, only the reason, the only reason they're manufacturing the products is that they're in the solar business to sell it in the United States. And once the rebates and tax credits are gone, they may be gone too. It's a challenge. Now, what are some of the new innovations that you're seeing in the PV industry in terms of electronics or module types or performance? Well, I guess the thing I've been telling people is that module efficiencies, and I've been saying this for 20 years, aren't going to increase that much because it's the same technology, and it seems to me we're really at the top of that envelope. But I understand that the big benefits that have come out of a lot of research lately are better inverters, microinverters, and something called optimizers. And not only has it made systems more efficient, but it's made them easier to configure for homes because many of the homes, especially in our neighborhood, won't have a roof, a single roof that's big enough for an array. And the old inverters, for instance, had to have the, all the modules facing in the same direction to get maximum performance. Well, now you can put panels wherever you'd like, except in the shade. But even if they're partially in the shade or what we call transient shade, it's still an option now, whereas in the past it wasn't. And warranties now. Warranties are are substantial, and it takes the fear out of making a purchase. So manufacturers have stepped up to the plate on that level, which is why I'm concerned about choosing the right manufacturer who can actually back up that warranty when time comes. Yeah, I'm a big fan of modular electronics because it makes the design easier, it makes the shade tolerance easier. And now that you can monitor every single module, right. it keeps the module companies very honest because they, because the customer and the installer will know if there's a problem with a single module. What are some of the innovations that you see in the solar thermal industry? Anything new coming down the pike there? Well, there have been some innovations. The products, the panels, the flat plate panels, which are the classic workhorse, stayed relatively the same. But what has happened 
is that we know now how to build one that will actually last. Because we've seen the kind of thermal panels that have disintegrated and fallen apart, and we know the mistakes not to be made. And I honestly think a good thermal panel could last 100 years. Hmm. But what we know about thermal has to do with reliability, but in terms of performance, there are some other options. They've become more efficient. The control technology is better, and the heat exchange technology has become more efficient. And so, generally speaking, if you get a product and you want it to last long enough to pay for itself, that is so easily accomplished with a solar water heater, and then to give you another 20, 30, 40, 50 years is something that I can say now and I can look in somebody's face, it is possible. It is not only possible, we've done it. Yeah, It's not like the domestic hot water tank you have in your garage that's good for right. seven or eight years before it starts leaking all over your junk. Mm-hmm. You know, these things are going to work on your roof for a long time. They're solid copper. If you hook up a water heater to a solar system, that thing is going to last 20 years. So we talked about technology. And there's a lot of good products out there, and it's important to find something that's going to be reliable. How could homeowners find a reliable contractor? What are some of your suggestions there? Like any home improvement, and we're talking about homeowners, a good source is always to ask somebody that you know that may already have a solar system. That's always the classic approach, but that's difficult. I think that what you should look for in a solar contractor, of course, because I've got so much experience, I'm going to have to say experience. But the fact is, is that a lot of contractors that are out there that are claiming to be in the business for 8, 10, 12, 20 years have really been in a business for 8, 10, 12, or 20 years. They haven't been in the solar business. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't know what they're doing. However, it really is important, I think, that you should contact their customers once you've decided on a contractor. Before you go forward, you should speak to some of their customers that have been around for 8, 10, 12, or 20 years if they're making that claim. Another thing, a contractor, and this is something that kind of irks me. I'm a C46, and that license is called a solar license, but C10s are electricians, and they're claiming that C46s shouldn't be in this business. And we actually created and invented this business, and the Contractor State License Board says that a C46 is capable, and the only, besides a B and an A license, are the only people empowered to install solar. Electricians can wire the panels, but we're not sure they're actually supposed to be installing the panels. On so it's, that's interesting that I agree. In my experience, the electricians that we hire on our teams are really good at doing the wiring. No. But as far as designing the system and figuring out how to handle the voltages and doing the marking and configuring the inverters, there's just a lot to learn there. Yes. And the solar contractors, that's part of the C46 test. You can't pass the license test unless you demonstrate familiarity with all that. And the C10 test has almost nothing on solar. A lot on wiring. It's great for wiring. So the C46 contractors, I agree, are the ones that are most qualified to install both PV and thermal systems. Well, one of the things we offer our customers when we get into a situation, we like to tailor the system for their budget and their needs. And that that sounds like buzzwords, but we actually do a lot of work on that level. And you have to keep yourself ahead of the curve in terms of what's available to do that and to understand what options make sense. So we do spend a lot of time actually designing each and every system for each and every. We don't do a cookie cutter. 
We don't sell 16 panel systems with microinverters for one group and 20 for another. Every, almost every system from one day to the next that we install is different from the other because they're built to fit the needs of our customers. Yeah, that's important. And I just want to back up. There's a lot of electrical contractors I know who specialize in solar. And they do a really good job. Mm -hmm. They've learned all the nuances. Mm -hmm. But your garden variety electrician is going to say, I'm going to go try and install solar. It's going to be a challenge. And I like the approach that you take, which is you customize a system, because in most cases for a homeowner, they don't have enough roof space to zero out their electric bill. So it's a challenge to figure out how to get the best performance out of the 18 or 20 or 22 solar modules that will actually fit on that roof. Mm -hmm. It's true. So let's talk about some business practices in the solar industry. What are some of the good business practices that you see out there that homeowners should be looking for? When you're speaking to somebody about putting solar on your home, you want that guy to be honest, but there's really no way for you as a homeowner who have never bought a system before to know whether or not that man is honest. And one of the problems we're seeing is a lot of contractors, a lot of companies, or exaggerating performance. I think that when you can't check to see if they're exaggerating, but what you need to do is get a few estimates. No matter how good the deal may seem, you've got to get a couple of more estimates, and you've got to get a contractor in a company who not only promises to give you predictions of their performance, but actually tell you what those predictions are instead of saying that we're going to guarantee it. When you want to check into a contractor's reputation, it's really hard today with the computer. It's much easier than it used to be. You can get on the computer. You might be able to type in the company's name and see reviews. And, of course, we know Yelp is out there, and more and more people are using Yelp to find contractors. But the problem with reviews from Yelp, they're bipolar. They're either five stars or one star. They're either raving or lunatics, or lunatics and happy with the contractor, but there's really no very granular data from that kind of review. Yeah, and then the other problem with the Yelp reviews is that it's hard for a contractor to correct mistakes. And also with the Yelp review, sometimes homeowners have to do a lot of Yelping in order to be qualified to even place reviews. That's true. That's true. There's also Solar Reviews. That's an Internet resource. That's been around a lot longer. And I also think that it's a good idea for you to go check the contractor's license, the cslb.cad.gov. That's contractorstatelicenseboard.california.gov and find out if that man has been in the business installing windows or anything else besides solar and how long he's actually been in the solar business. And Better Business Bureau is the classic resource to check, but unfortunately the Better Business Bureau, the biggest strength, I think, is that it offers mediation resources, and that's about it. Yeah. When you check for a contractor's reputation, it's really important to check on a contractor that did the job a few years ago. Because somebody who just got a solar system after six months, they haven't even gotten their true-up statement yet. Right. So they don't know what the real performance of the system is. It's not until maybe a year and 13, 14 months when the homeowner is really going to say, gee, they promised me I would save a net of $2,000, and then they can actually see that. And then obviously if you you talk to a homeowner who's had a system for five or ten years, they'll in addition, be able to tell you, well, were there any service issues and how did the contractor address those service issues? That's really important. That is really important because that separates the man from the children, the the ones that will admit and take care of their mistakes. Yeah, and a lot of the servicing that we do is just replacing old string inverters that had a 10-year life and 12 years later they're Mm -hmm, dead. mm -hmm. Um, If the contractor does a good job on the waterproofing, 
which flashings mandate that. And if they're using good equipment, like, you know, microinverters are very, very reliable mm -hmm. and the modules are, there's like zero maintenance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's almost not even worth washing the panels as long as we get occasional rain shower, which is a little bit of a problem. So w what are some of the practices that you see out there that might not be so good that companies are doing that are hurting the industry? Well, I think that primary focus I've got right now is I work with the contractor state license board to help them to review some of the problems they're seeing. And besides the normal, it wasn't installed properly, it's really meeting the expectations of the homeowner that were pumped up and exaggerated claims for performance made by the company that sold them the system. Also, a lot of these agreements are so difficult for everybody to understand that I think that good business practice would be, for instance, on the, the manufacturers of automobiles are required to put a sticker on their car and tell you what's in it. And it's on one page, and if you spend enough time, you'll learn everything you need to know about that car. There's no such requirement for solar. Every detail about that system can be hidden somewhere in a 45-page contract that you don't know about until later on when you find out the system's only giving me 60, 70 percent of what I was promised, but the salesman said da-da-da-da-da. That's really my problem right now, right at the top of my head, is exaggerated claims. And a lot of companies, a lot of uh, companies that we've run into that are going out of business as we speak, We'll go out of business with the next big rainfall. So, you know, I'm hoping for rain for different reasons, maybe, than everybody else. <laughs> We're all hoping for rain, and the contractors that use flashings will, you know, be, be okay. Use flashings, hit rafters. It's, that's kind of all you got to do. Well, uh, besides rain, what do you think is going to happen to the economics for solar in California over the next few years? What happens if, if the ITC goes to zero? This is really, I think, the biggest problem is that a lot of people are going to buy solar and then there won't be that potential base for a while. But the economics of solar still look good. As long as interest rates are low and you can borrow money at the rates you can today, even without the ITC, I think there will be a substantial market. Because one thing we know about interest rates, and just like death and taxes, they always go up. They all, well, death doesn't go up, but I mean taxes do. They're inevitable. And they're inevitable, and so are, so are rate increases in the future. Especially important, I think, is for people to realize that they've got to take control of their own lives, and this is one way to do it. I have great hopes. I've seen the industry go up and down. I think that maybe we can say solar is here to stay, but it will be in some diminished form if the tax credits are eliminated. Yeah, we'll go through a, a lapse of a yeah. few years until yeah. costs kind of go down more, and as electric rates go up more, and the economics will be restored. They'll just be, and it'll be very hard for companies that are staying in business. But you know, Pat, you stayed in business through all these ups and downs, and it's challenging in the solar industry. We call it the solar coaster to kind of figure out how to survive when right. things are slow and then and thrive when things start getting good again. So if people want a solar PV system or a solar thermal system in the LA area, how can they get in touch with Amico Solar? Well, I think the easiest way is to use your computer and type in solarexpert.com. That's the website that we've had for many years. And who would that solar expert be? I think that the solar expert here is there are a lot of people that know nearly as much as I do. <laughs> when I've forgotten what it is that I know that they don't know. So probably You know so much that you've forgotten a lot of it. <laughs> I forget. There's no doubt about that. And what's the phone number? It's area code 888-595-9570. That's 888-595-9570.
9570. All right, said with a great deal of panache. Well, that's all the time we've got on this week's Energy Show. Thanks, Pat, and thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. (laughs) 